Hey, welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Up right after this, we have Kirk LaPointe, our colleague here at BIV, speaking to BC Premier John Horgan. This is from a segment that aired on our Roundhouse radio show with Business in Vancouver. They talk about politics, the provincial economy, and how businesses will react to BC's first NDP government in 16 years. It's a great conversation. Have a listen. Premier John Horgan, thanks a lot for joining us today. Good to be with you. Um, let's go back several months. Uh, it, it may seem like an eternity ago that you were actually campaigning, but why do you think your campaign worked and the Liberals didn't? Well, it, it, it does seem like an eternity ago. It's been a 12-month blur, really, uh, when I go <laughs> back to the start of the year as leader of the opposition and facing a budget and then a, an election campaign and then everything that's happened since then. But I think the difference between our campaign and the BC Liberal campaign is that they were of the view that the status quo was going to be sufficient. And, and they, I think, completely misread the level of dissatis- dissatisfaction within the public about the lack of services for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are what government is supposed to be all about, not about bond raiders, not about uh, uh, statistics from the conference board, but about how are you having a positive impact on people. So our campaign focused on uh, making life better for people, reducing costs like uh, tolls on the on the uh, Portman and Golden Ears, for example. Uh, both parties uh, had issue, uh, but uh, it was more difficult for the Liberals because they were the ones that implemented the tolls. They were the ones that were actually subsidizing the company that built the bridge because the tolls were inadequate to meet the costs. And uh, they had to somehow justify that when we could just speak directly and say, there's no other infrastructure in the province that's told, uh, why should we penalize this group of people and, and not others? And, and I think that resonated certainly with people in Surrey and Maple Ridge. On the side of the question of education, again, I, as you know, when you and I spoke before the election and during the election, education is a critical issue for me. If we're not giving people the tools they need to succeed, we fail as a society. And the Liberals' track record, quite honestly, on K-12 education and to a certain degree post-secondary and skills training was woefully inadequate. So our commitment to education uh, really shone through with educators, with families, with parents. And I think that's really what won the day. Was there a critical issue, do you think, that decided it for Andrew Weaver in determining that he was going to align with you and not with the Liberals in your discussions with him? Well, we after the election, um, we had discussions with uh, the Green Caucus, as did the Liberals. And again, I think the Liberals' approach to this was transactional mm-hmm. rather than based on values and based on people. So, uh, and again, I wasn't privy to those discussions, but the reporting out of their sessions were about, well, will he be, will Mr. Weaver be offered a cabinet post? Will there be this? Will there be that? more of a transactional, how can I help you, uh, which is the old school politics. And the new green group, uh, which includes two new MLAs, uh, both from South Vancouver Island, where I live, I know both of them personally. So uh, they, I think, were more comfortable talking to me Mm -hmm. uh, because they know me, they know my values. And rather than talk about what can I give you, uh, we talked about what can we do together. And I think that was the critical issue, Kirk, is that we wanted to see a, a substantial change in how government worked in British Columbia, substantial change in how the legislature worked, and that we had a more compelling story to tell the Green Caucus, Mr. Weaver and his colleagues, uh, than the Liberals did. People personalize politics 
to such an extent and, and place it upon the leader, no matter what the party looks like or no matter what, what is happening below the premier. What, what change in direction and style did you want as a premier in your first few months? Well, you know, it's funny uh, because it's just sort of happened. I find myself now uh, six months into the job and I haven't had really much time to reflect on how I got here, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I just started working on the that the 18th of July, and I've been working every day since. And my approach to things has always been uh, address them as they arrive, um, deal with them openly, be candid and upfront with people as to why you're making decisions, show your work. You remember your grade three uh, <laughs> arithmetic teacher always told you, you may have the right answer, but I need to know how you got there. And so on the Site C issue, for example, which we've just completed, I wanted to make sure the public had every bit of information that we had uh, when we made this decision. And, and I think that helps. People may disagree with your conclusion, but if they can see that you grappled with it, you did it in an earnest and heartfelt way, uh, people are prepared to accept differences of opinion. And that, I think, um, you know, as people have said, you must be disappointed you didn't win a majority. And of course, that would be easier if we had the majority of votes. But I believe I'm doing a better job and my colleagues are doing a better job because we have to be mindful every day and, and within every decision uh, if it's going to have a negative effect on our relationship with other people. And, and majority governments don't have to do that. And over time, they become smug and arrogant, and regardless of the liberal NDP, conservative, green. It's, it's an almost an inevitability. And, and I believe that in a minority situation, we have to be uh, thoughtful and nimble every day to make sure that as we deliver programs and services for people and make policy choices, we're doing it uh, always with a view to make sure that we're bringing people along rather than alienating people. So holiday time is usually a time for reflection, but I'm going to ask you to precede that time and ask a, a reflective question. What have you learned about yourself in this new form of power that you have and responsibility that you have? Uh, well, I, one of the things that um, a couple of commentators have asked me, um, what happened to the angry fellow? And I said, well, he was never really here. I mean, that, uh, the leader of the opposition is obliged to be negative. And so I was discharging my responsibilities. The Queen paid me every couple of weeks to hold the government accountable. Uh, now my responsibility is to uh, look at the hopeful, optimistic side of my personality, which is the dominant piece, mm -hmm. and uh, and work hard to have that optimism shine through so that the public can have confidence that, that British Columbia is on track and the government is working for them, and, and we're going to deliver on the commitments we made on things like childcare, which is going to be an enormous program, but it's going to have a significant uh, benefit to the economy and certainly to people's lives. We were able to get big money out of politics. There were some some horse trading along the way, but that's going to transform how our politics works. If, uh, if the deepest pockets are no longer determining the outcome, uh, then I think pub the public and people are going to be more engaged with their political process. So I think that I'm, I'm pleased that I'm able to be myself every day and be accountable for what I do and what I say, rather than speculating or commenting on what someone else is doing. I think there's a huge difference there. And I remember Kirk saying a few years ago that it was really tough being the leader of the opposition and people kind of mocked me and said, well, come on, man, it's got to be tougher to be in government. And, <laughs> and it is, but it's really tough to be negative every day. And I know that the, my colleagues in the Liberal Party are having difficulty getting their heads around that and I wish them well. <laughs> and and uh, and a long time, I guess. Um, the uh, well, that, that too. That yeah, too. Uh, but you were no newbie to all of this, uh, Premier. Um, but what's been the biggest surprise for you? 
the generosity of people. Uh, I, you know, people, this is a polarized province. It has always been thus. Uh, the the dip, vote difference between the Liberals and the NDP was like just a, a bit over a thousand people across yeah. this great province. Uh, the Green Party getting a 17% uh, largest ever. Uh, but wherever I've gone and whoever I talk to, regardless of how they vote, there's a sense of, well, best of luck to you. Thanks for doing this. And we wish you well. And it's not me personally, they wish they wish that the effort that I'm putting in will benefit everybody, and and I think that generosity of spirit. I don't know how long it will last, but I'm I guess they they call it the honeymoon, and to simplify it. But what I've seen in people's eyes and in their faces is uh, a real sense of hope for the future, and and I'm delighted with that, and I'm going to work as hard as I can to keep that going. What's been your toughest call? Uh, Sight C, without a doubt. Um, the expectation was so high for those who have been opposed to it. And, and for many, it's been a generational thing that's been decades of opposition to this project. And uh, although I never said at any time that I would cancel the project, uh, I did say I wanted a thorough review. We got that from the BC Utilities Commission. Uh, then we grappled with it internally within my, uh, my caucus and within the cabinet. And then when we had to make the announcement, it was very difficult. Um, my wife and I had a difference of opinion on the question. So mm. it, it speaks to families are divided on this, communities are divided on this. Uh, uh, there was no easy answer. And I guess it, it really typifies the challenges of governments. And I'm very proud of how my colleagues dealt with it. They internalized their personal grief in some cases. Many uh, many of my colleagues had been strong advocates for canceling the project and but they recognize that at the end of the day in being in government is governing for everybody and making sure that the decisions that you make are in the best interest of everybody and i believe that we had we had to make the choice that we did but it was tough and and i think we'll be better as a result of that how do you think it tested you personally well it did significantly um not only with my ability to bring people along internally but also uh, in the days and weeks ahead uh, to deal with people who are profoundly disappointed by this. I have, I have to say I've, I've received an unusual number of people thanking me for, uh, for grappling with this. And again, that goes back, Kirk, to that sense of generosity people have in BC uh, and, and the respect and just the basic Canadian decency. You know, the, uh, There's been a lot of harshness as well around this issue, but by and large, people are sympathetic to the difficulty of the of the choices we had, and that will that will also, I believe, put me in good stead for the challenges ahead. Because there's always going to be uh, there's always heavy seas in policymaking. Uh, we have some serious challenges coming ahead of us in BC and in Canada, and uh, I believe that uh, as these tough decisions come and you knock them down, you can start focusing on the positives that you want to deliver for people too. That's BIV co-host and colleague Kirk LaPointe speaking, of course, to BC Premier John Horgan. We're going to listen to them continue that conversation after this break. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that will be there to help you every step of the way, Give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600 or else check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. As promised, here is the second half of Kirk LaPointe's interview with John Horgan, Premier of British Columbia. What are the economic headwinds that most concern you right now, Premier? Well, I, I certainly would have preferred to not have come to 
form a government at the height of the worst fire season in BC history, Mm -hmm. Uh, $600 million in fire suppression costs. And we're even just now beginning to look at at how we deal with recovery for the communities that were affected, uh, the impact on on tourism, on agriculture, on forestry, Uh, small businesses who didn't have access to uh, markets for two months because communities were uh, evacuated or people were not certainly flocking to Williams Lake uh, or Hundred Mile House to to spend their discretionary dollars. They were avoiding those areas. So uh, there was an impact right across the board. And and I I believe that we still have much work to do there. We've appointed uh, George Abbott, former uh, BC Liberal Minister, as well as Maureen Chapman, an Indigenous leader from uh, from the Fraser Valley, Fraser Canyon. And uh, they're going to be looking at next year's fire season how can we be better prepared and and we see year over year increasing threats to uh, communities and to industry because our our inability to to manage uh, fuel on the forest floor so there's there's work to be done there but it 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 will create opportunity but if we don't deal with it it'll be more more disasters ahead so that that's a big challenge uh the softwood lumber deal profoundly disappointed that uh, Mm -hmm. just such a narrow narrow group of individuals and companies in the United States could could uh, have such a profound impact on Canada and the U.S. and our relationship. The NAFTA discussions are going to be challenging. I, I'm off to Asia in the new year to try and provide find uh, more markets for our goods and services, uh, creating opportunity. But uh, the housing issue, it's another one. I, I could go on. The list is long. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but uh, they're all there uh, needing attention. And uh, I'm grateful to have new eyes uh, in government, young people, a diverse group at the cabinet table, a diverse group in our caucus to grapple with these issues. I think the BC will be well served and we're going to do our level best. The Premier has so many constituencies. Um, I want to know, though, how you believe you've tried to reassure a business community that has historically not fell in love instantly with NDP governments? Well, I started, uh, I reached out to uh, to Jimmy Pattison before I was sworn in when it was apparent that the government was going to fall. I don't even believe I was Premier designated at that point. I might have been. It was early on in July, uh, late June, early July, and asked him for his advice. Mm-hmm. And I've been asking people for advice ever since uh, in the business community. I just was at the BC Chamber of Commerce luncheon, uh, gave a presentation there. I was well-received, uh, BC Business Council, a couple of times there. Uh, individual sectoral leaders I've been speaking with, uh, leaders in, uh, in, the, in the field of post-secondary education. I've been trying to be present and available to people to uh, give them comfort and, and a sense that uh, I have purpose and that that purpose is to continue the prosperity of British Columbia. And I can't do it if the captains of industry, so-called, uh, are not on side. And so I've worked hard, particularly in the forestry industry, on the softwood issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, oil and gas and, and electricity are familiar to me, and many people in the mining industry know me from my time as a critic. So uh, I think I, I, I came from a fairly solid place on the resource side, and I want to work as hard as I can with, with uh, Microsoft and Amazon and all of the other um, high-tech and, and um, new green uh, industries in the lower mainland and, and I, so far so good uh, i think you have to demonstrate that you're committed to providing the things that industry needs uh, a skilled workforce uh modern uh, infrastructure and a healthcare system that people can depend on that's a, how we attract uh new uh, uh a new skilled workforce and we need to make sure we're training that skilled workforce domestically as well those are the elements that gov- the government can provide to industry and i'm pretty straightforward on that stuff and people seem to be accepting that message I know your time's at a premium. I, want, I just have a couple of small questions left. Um, 
if you could change one decision, is there one? Uh, you know, it's a, I, I've, I've been asked that a couple of times. Uh, I'll leave it to my critics to to take those on. Uh, I would have preferred to have had more time in the legislature uh, to listen to some of the uh, some of the uh, amendments that were proposed to some of our legislation. I, I believe strongly that we need to get proportional representation uh, passed by referendum next fall. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had been more present for the debate on that. I think I would have been able to personally ease some of the concerns of, of people about what my view and my vision is for that. I want people to be engaged. Uh, we can't. We need to, I believe, if we're going to change our electoral system, we need to have everybody uh, engaged in that discussion, but it's it's not the type of topic that captures people's attention in the middle of hockey season or uh, <laughs> when you're getting your Christmas shopping done or you're preparing for your summer holiday. I mean, it's not top of mind for people, and I think that that's that's something I wish I'd been able to put more attention to, but I'll be able to do that in the new year. I asked you during the campaign about self-care. Um, what are you doing to deal with the new pressures? <laughs> not enough. I uh, I haven't been on my bike. Uh, I uh, bike riding my bicycle on the local uh, trail in, near my home uh, for months, and I, I'm looking forward to a bit of a break over Christmas to do that. Uh, I've got to stop eating brownies. Uh, I'm eating way too many brownies, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I and I'm not reading enough enough fiction. That would be my, those are the three things: no brownies, more fiction, and uh, and more bike riding. Okay, I can I can get all those. Uh, and if we were talking a year from now, Premier, what do you hope would be your singular accomplishment in your first full year in 2018? I would hope that I would hope that uh, that people would see a government that was working for them, that was focused every day on on how we can improve people's uh, situation as individuals, as a community, and, and as a province. Uh, I, I do. I obviously believe in the power of government to make positive change, or I wouldn't have pursued uh, this office. Uh, I wouldn't have uh, sought election at, at all. And so I, I would like people to look at government not as uh, as oh my gosh, here comes the government to help, but rather thank goodness we've got a helpful government, one that's there in times of distress like the fire season we've just had, uh, and is also there to make sure that our kids get the education they need and our and our parents have the the care they deserve in their latter years. Those are the types of things that government can and should do. And I'd, I'd be hopeful that a year after a year on the job, people would say that on balance, we were doing our best to meet those objectives. Well, get some time with family, um, stay away from the brownies and, um, you know, all the best in the holiday season, Premier. I, I didn't mean, I didn't mention staying away from cherry pie. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. Well, no, but thanks, Kurt. I no, appreciate it. it. And all the best to you and your family. All right. Take care. Take care. Premier John Horgan, our guest. That was Kirk LaPointe speaking to BC Premier John Horgan. And that's it for our podcast today. Thanks so much for listening to Business in Vancouver. Tyler, if anyone wants to connect with you or check out more business news, where can they go? Yeah, go to BIV.com. They can find my stories as well as yours there, Haley. And they can find me on social media. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. Where can we find you on social media, Haley? People can connect with me at Haley Wooden, and I'll throw out a little plug. We have a bunch of year and reason outlooks on our site too. So for anyone uh, wanting to review what happened in business over the past year or get a glimpse at what 2018 may hold, all that content at BIV.com. And until next year, this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And that'll do it for 2017 with the Business in Vancouver podcast.